The following audio is from The Grove Church. For more information about the church or to listen to previous sermons, visit grove.church. There we go. Good morning. Hope everybody's doing good. Hey, if you saw me in the lobby and I was less than, I don't want to say less than friendly because I was still friendly, but if I was less than, um, this would be weird too, physically touching you. That's anyway, I have a little bit of a head cold and I'm trying to keep everybody from getting it. So I'm trying to keep my distance somewhat. But anyway, um, happy new year on that note. Um, hey, I want to uh, mention something before we jump into our series here. About a month ago, I had asked, if, you know, if you would pray, we got some big things coming up and, and, and I kind of want to give you an update with our property. Um, for some of you guys that really don't know, I'll keep this kind of short. Years and years ago, uh, this church under different leadership bought um, almost 58 acres of property in North Marysville on the west side of I-5. The goal was to sell this property, build a new building, move over there, all that stuff. And um, the last bunch of years, we've been pretty aware that, that our goal is not to, to go build a new church on, on raw dirt and, and stuff like that, but we're going to work on here and, and, and do our best here. Um, with that said, our goal is to sell the property. So we've, been, uh, we've got some developers in the loop. We had some offers that were turned in the last couple of months. We've met with them and, and been praying through it. That's what I was asking you to pray for. The, the latest real quick is just this, that We've accepted one of the offers. We've received their purchase and sale agreement, which um, is a big packet of information. Um, we've had a lawyer look it over with details, and, and we're looking it over ourselves, and then we're going to turn it back into that developer. And so we're kind of moving towards entering into a contract. We've been told it takes somewhere between um, 12 to, to 18 months, I guess, to see any of the money. So it's going to be a little while. During that time, we will be working with architects on some of the facility stuff. The renovation of the North Wing is going to be happening this year, so that's going on. But that's just an update continue to pray. And again, we just want to walk in the best wisdom. Our goal is obviously we want to get the best price that we can get for that property so we can, uh, you know, fund a good chunk of what we need to do around here. And uh, so just continue to pray for that. Um, uh, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter one today, and we start a new series called Grace Next Door. Uh, so today is part, f- uh, part one. And um, quick question, um, how many of you guys have a favorite Christmas movie? Just raise your hand. Okay, how many guys would say your favorite Christmas movie um, would be Elf? Raise your hand, okay, some of you. Uh, how about, uh, uh, let's see, It's a Wonderful Life. I know that's Andrews, raise your hand. It's a Wonderful Life, it's a good one. Miracle on 34th Street, a few hands there, okay. Um, what am I missing? There's a bunch of them, okay. What, Christmas Story, that's a good one, Ralphie, all that stuff. Um, Home Alone is another one. What is that, I'm sorry. The Grinch, yeah, The Grinch, okay. There's a few hands. Um, I have a bunch of, of Christmas movies I enjoy, and I know we're, we're moving past that season, but I'm bringing this up for a certain reason. On Christmas Eve, I believe it was, Andrew played a video of some of his favorite Christmas movies. One of them was Christmas Vacation, and, um, and I remember the dinner table scene. Anybody remember at the dinner table, and Clark standing, and the whole family kind of lined up sitting, and the turkey's right there, and he, and he starts in, before we begin, and since this is Aunt Bethany's 80th Christmas, I think she should lead us in the saying, of grace, and she doesn't quite understand, and so she goes, you know, what, dear? And one of the ladies goes, grace, and, and she goes, grace, she passed away 30 years ago, and, and then uh, Uncle Lewis goes, they want you to say grace, and she goes, the blessing, anybody remember that scene? Okay, so there, there's that, and of course, then she goes on to lead them in the Pledge of Allegiance, but anyway, um, I bring that up today in a weird way because she misunderstands grace. Now, we could say grace is a prayer around the dinner table. We could say grace is the name of a person. But biblically, grace is a monster idea. And I don't mean that in a weird way. I mean it's literally a gigantic idea that I want to try to today wrap our heads around as we get into this series, Grace Next Door. So, like I said, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1. But let me ask you this. 
Aunt Bethany misunderstands grace, but my question for you is this. Do you understand grace? Where does grace fit into your life? How gracious are you? Are you quick to offer grace, or are you like her? Grace in your life passed away 30 years ago. Okay, sometimes grace is only offered once somebody can fully understand a situation and process a situation and get where people are coming from and, okay, now I can extend grace. But even that remains, is that really grace? So we're going to walk through this, but as we read in the New Testament in particular, um, Paul wrote a whole bunch of letters. Some of them were to churches or, or regions where the letter would be passed around to different churches and certain cities. Some letters that he wrote were pastoral, meaning kind of personal. Timothy, Titus, Philemon were written to people in particular. But have you ever noticed that any time that you read something that Paul wrote to the churches or to people, every single time, not only does he begin every single letter with grace, but he ends every single one of his letters with the same idea, grace. I want you to notice it, and I'm going to walk through this, and it's a little bit tedious, but I want you to check it out. Romans chapter 1, verse 7, to all in Rome, loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 16, at the end of the book, the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus. 1 Corinthians 16 at the end, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 13, 14, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you and the love of God and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit be with you all. Galatians 1, grace and peace to you. Galatians 6, the grace of our Lord Jesus be with your spirit. Ephesians 1, grace and peace to you. Ephesians 6, grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 1, grace and peace to you from God our Father. Philippians 4, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Colossians 1, grace and peace to you from God. Colossians 4, grace be with you. 1 Thessalonians 1, grace and peace to you. 1 Thessalonians 5, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. 2 Thessalonians 1, grace and peace. 2 Thessalonians 3, grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. 1 Timothy 1, grace, mercy, and peace to you. Second, uh, sorry, 1 Timothy 6, grace be with you all. 2 Timothy 1, grace, mercy, and peace to you. 2 Timothy 4, the Lord Jesus be with your spirit, grace be with you all. Titus 1, grace and peace from God our Father. Titus 3, grace be with you all. Philemon 1, there's no chapters because it's a short letter. Verse 3, grace and peace to you. And at the very end, verse 25, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with your spirit. You might go, why read through Can you just tell us? that it's there and we go, go along with it, I want you to notice there's obviously some big deal about grace when every letter starts with grace and ends with grace without fail from Paul. So what is this grace? Why is it such a big deal? And do you realize the need to live through grace every single moment of every single day? Grace. Ephesians chapter 1 is where we're going to dive in today, and I'm going to start right at the beginning. Ephesians 1 verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ, for he chose us 
in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he, had, uh, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of his grace that he, sorry, of God's grace that he has lavished upon us. God, today, I just pray that you would help us all wrap our heads around this. I want to be as clear as I can. I want us all to walk out of here with a far better understanding, maybe, than we've ever had of what grace is about. In Jesus' name, amen. As you look at this letter, again, this is not just a book of the Bible. This is a letter written from Paul to the church at Ephesus. And so he writes this letter and he opens it up, as as I've already said, grace and peace to you. And then he goes on to say this, verse 3. And now starting in verse 3, he's going to build a case for why this whole thing is such a big deal. And he starts out with this, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, what, what he's saying, and we're going to get to why, what he's saying is there is a reason for every single one of us without fail, every single day that we live, all of us, to give praise to God. We always have reason, because of the case he's going to build, we always have reason to give God praise. It doesn't matter how low or how dark the season you're living in. It doesn't matter how high and how wonderful. Every single moment, no matter where in between, we ought to have reason to give God praise. So he says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So he says, we always ought to have reason to give praise to God because God has blessed every single one of us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, okay? Our theology here would be to understand, he's gonna go on to describe some of this. He says, for he chose us in him before the creation of, of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ according to his pleasure and will. So Paul says we always have reason to give praise to God because he's blessed us with all these spiritual blessings because he cared so much that before the foundation of the world, God knew about you and loved you and wanted you desperately to follow him. That's his passion. That's his desire. And so in in, in being able to do so, he sent Jesus to the cross. He says in love, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. It's through the work of the cross in our theology. We understand that we can't earn our way to forgiveness. We can't figure out how to be good enough as we say all the time. It's not about what we can earn. It's about what God did through Christ on the cross in accordance with his pleasure and will. So he says you have every reason every day to give praise because of what God has done. He's blessed us. And when he says every spiritual blessing, make sure that you understand it's not just that when you breathe your last breath, you get to enjoy eternity with God because in another part of the New Testament it says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It's not just that you get to enjoy an eternity that John in the, in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, can't barely put words to describe how amazing eternity is. He does his best. 
It's not just that you get that inheritance because of Christ, but listen, it's also walking every single day realizing that God has gifted you because of his grace all these spiritual blessings, the work of the Holy Spirit, the the power of God to to bring you joy when you need joy, the, the ability of God to bring you peace that surpasses all understanding, the community of God that allows you to live in fellowship with others that can sharpen you, that can encourage you, that can carry your burdens. All these numerous ways and far more, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So Paul says you have reasons every single day that you live to give God praise because of all the blessings he's given you, not because you've earned it. He says it's because of his, verse 6, glorious grace which he has freely given us. It's unearned. It's not about measuring up. He says it's, it's freely given. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved. Through faith. And it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Oh, I'm not as bad as that person. Oh, they've done far more bad than I've ever done. Grace is the great equalizer that every single person is invited to the cross of Jesus Christ because of this amazing grace. He says it's freely given to us. Verse 7 and 8 continues. I'll read verse 6. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Going back to to Jesus. He says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. I love the language there. Because this idea, this picture of lavishes is to give generously, abundantly is to offer it generously, abundantly. And so Paul says grace is alive. Grace didn't pass away 30 years ago. If you find in the life that you live, you have less and less grace, you're becoming crotchety, you're becoming more critical, you're becoming more cynical, it's not because grace is no longer there, it's because you refuse to attach yourself to it. See, the thing you need to understand, and I'm gonna say this a little bit later, is the grace that God offers is kind of a wild grace. It's a dangerous grace. Because some of you go, oh, I hear what the pastor's saying today. He's saying grace, grace, grace. And so that means we can go and do whatever we want to do. And then we come back to God and go, God, I need your grace. And God gives it. And so we have kind of this blank check. See, that's why it's it's so dangerous. That's why it's so wild. That was the excuse of the church at Corinth. As they would bring it up, Paul would say, hey, I've heard you people say that we can go on sinning so that grace may increase because here was their reasoning. If we live in the world and the world sees us exist and we call ourselves Christians, then, then we, we, we sin, we fail, we do whatever we want to do in stupidity, and then we go back to God and he offers grace. People get to see that and they realize that they can come to him too. So isn't that showing God's grace even more? Paul's answer is by no means. That's stupidity. That's foolishness. See, because here's the thing. It's for you and I to go, wow, God has extended grace to me, and by definition, it's unearned favor. You haven't earned it, but God extends it to you because of his great love for you. It's lavished on us. We receive it 
But then the next step is this. It changes how we live. See, grace is not meant to be a license to indulge in whatever sin that we want to do. There's people that look at it and go, I come on a Sunday and I pray a prayer and I worship and and I leave here feeling clean and cleansed and forgiven. And then you go out and you spend six days doing whatever you want to do, indulging in whatever, making excuses for things that aren't right according to the scriptures, only to come back in in seven days and, and find that grace again and that's how you live. And Paul would say, no. We died to those things. How can we live in them anymore? No. So grace is not an excuse to do whatever you want to do. Grace is the ability to come back to God when we do blow it and find that he will still forgive us. Not because we don't care. See, if, if you're taking notes... Look at Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. Listen to this. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Listen to this, though. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. See, grace is actually not an excuse to sin, but grace is meant to be painted as a picture that compels us to do what's right. Can can I ask you a question? Have you ever watched a movie or heard a story or listened to a song and been inspired to do something right because of it? Anybody out there? I have too. You can make fun of me, but about a year ago, I became aware of a song by Kelly Clarkson, okay? And the song is piece by piece. Anybody ever listen to it? Holy smokes. Okay, and from what I understand of the backstory of the song, it's a song written dealing with kind of the pain of, of the fact that her dad at one point in her, at an early age walked out. And somebody else came in her life and, and filled that void and was there for her and refused to give up on her. And so she writes this song, and, and, and excuse me if it gets a little bit personal, but, but I can remember, I've said this before, that the, the, the last day that my dad ever lived with us, I was 12 years old living in North Marysville, and, and the last conversation, I remember being in my bedroom, my dad at the door, and I remember saying, Dad, just don't leave. And he said, I won't. I won't leave. And the next morning, he was gone. Now, I'm not saying that to make my dad look terrible. My dad and I have a good relationship. I love him like crazy. We're good. I'm not saying that. But as a 12-year-old, that's pretty brutal. And I listened to that song, listen to me, I listen to that song and the way she paints it. Listen to it. It'll blow your mind. But you listen to that song, and it, it, it hardens my resolve to be faithful to my wife and, and to love her so that my kids can see what it means to not walk out when things get tough. It hardens my resolve to be the kind of dad that I ought to be even days when I'm so tired and worn out I can't see straight and my kids want to play hide-and-seek. I go through all of it like you do. I saw a Facebook post somebody put, they were hiding in their pantry, and they said, I even take naps in here to hide from my kids. I'm thinking, I get it. My wife gets it. Can I just get a lock on there? Stuff like a pillow underneath. And at one point on the video, she put the camera down by the floor, and the kids were like, Mom, fingers, come on, we've all. And I feel all that, but I listen to that song. And by the end of it, I'm like, God, I want to come hell or high water. I want to serve and love my wife the best I can. I want to be the best dad I can, even though there's times I don't feel like it. Listen to me. I bring that up. You go, where did that come from? Listen to me very carefully. 
The picture that Paul is painting in Ephesians chapter 1 is meant to be a picture of such amazing beauty from God that it inspires you to go, you know what, I'm going to do the right thing even if I don't feel like it every day. I'm going to love him like I'm supposed to. I want to become all that he desires me to be because he knows me better than anyone could know me. Because he loves me more than anyone could ever love me. Because he has a plan for me far better than any plan that I could have for myself or anybody else has for me. Can I hear an amen? And so we, we, we get this picture of grace and it ought to inspire us to Christ-likeness. Not make an excuse for why we can do whatever we want to do. See, Paul says, no, no, it's the opposite. Grace isn't a license to live in sin. Grace is a license to, when you fall and mess up, to get back up and pick up the pieces and realize God's there. Anybody ever read that verse that says his mercies are new every morning? Anybody else as grateful as I am for that verse? There's days where you and I, we put our heads on the pillow and go, glad that's over. (laughs) But the beauty of it is we get to wake up the next day and go, all right, God, God, let's try this again. Let's, let's do this differently today, Lord. I just need you more than yesterday. I really blew it. And I don't, I don't stand up here proud of that, but I get it, you guys. I, we, we face this battle of wanting to do the right thing. I've said before, it's Romans 7 all over again. This, this, this tennis match. Why is it that I do what I don't want to do and what I hate, I do? I find this law at work in me that, that when I want to do right, sin is right there. And I, I choose sin, but I don't want to choose sin. I want to choose what's right, but I don't. He says, thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. See, even Paul admits, I need grace. We all need grace every single day. Not just the guy sitting in my best friend next to my best friend's daughter. Her name's Grace. I'm convinced that this world is looking for grace. Because here's where it's at. Grace is something that you and I are supposed to be exposed to so that you and I can receive it, so that you and I, listen, can be transformed by it so that you and I can help others be drawn to Christ. See, we we don't just live in some sort of legalism like, I've got to do that because God gives me grace, so I've got to become this. In part, you and I are extended grace because there is a world out there looking for an answer. As somebody said years ago, there is a God-shaped vacuum, a God-shaped void in every single person. There's people out there looking. I was having a conversation the other day with somebody, and I mentioned that, you ever notice that, that there's people fighting all kinds of weird battles? I personally, and, and I, I, there's times where I'm like, man, I don't have the right attitude, but, but I see people fighting, they're road rage. And some people, I mean, we sit in traffic, and we, oh man, I feel it. But what a weird battle. You ever stop to think that maybe we're fighting those battles because we're not fighting the real battles? There's something about our need to, to, and I say that, to fight the real battles, to become what God wants us to be because there's a world looking for grace. Too often, we kind of get this eye for an eye thing. I think sometimes, maybe, uh, maybe because of movies or whatever, we, wa- we watch like, um, what is it, Liam Neeson? Uh, is it Ransom? Is that the movie? Taken. Taken. I have a unv- very unusual set of skills, you know, whatever. And, and we watch that and we go, come on, man, get him, get him. And we, at the end of the movie, we're like, yes, he got him. And we think 
that that's what we really want. But that's where I'm telling you what Paul has to say is different. That's why I said grace is dangerous, wild, risky, unfair. Paul says in Romans 12, do not repay anyone evil for evil. How you like me now? It's like, dude, what? Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. No! No, 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 I want to get them back. You know what they did. You don't understand. And we feel this something rise up in us that, that we've got to pay back. But grace that's wild, grace that's risky, grace that's unfair, teaches us to live at peace, even though we don't want to. See, see the reason I think it feels dangerous and, and evokes in us all kinds of excuses is because we don't like it. If we're being honest, I, we don't like grace. We, we like to receive it. I just need grace. But we have a, a lot harder time giving it out. And like I said earlier, sometimes we give it out only when we fully understand a situation. Oh, now that I get it, now that I understand, okay, now, okay, I'll give you grace. But what if we offer grace far sooner than that? Unearned favor. That's what we get from God. Unearned favor. See, you and I live in a world that, that vengeance seems like it's so right, and that's justice. But do we really understand and do we really trust that God is the final judge and that, that he's the one that's supposed to take care of all of what justice means? There's times where we're not going to get justice, and we've got to be okay with that. There's times where we don't understand, and we've got to be okay with that. See, you're in here today, and, and there's some of you that wish you didn't even come. I don't want to hear this. I don't want this. Give me a feel good. I mean, come on. Last week was like ice week, so I didn't come to church, so I'm here today. Give me something good to start the year. Grace. God gives you grace. You receive it to let it transform you so that you can give it to others. I love the story that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 7. He's sitting with the, the religious crowd and, and, and there's some teaching going on. There's, 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 they're having a meal and this woman comes in and she begins to pour perfume on Jesus' feet. And in the story, she's weeping and she wipes his feet with her hair. And it, it, for us, we go, that, what in the world? It, it, it was this, this picture of deep remorse, deep repentance. And so she does this, and, and the religious crowd there begins to look down their nose like, first of all, look at all the money on the perfume she just wasted. Second of all, if Jesus knew who this was, he wouldn't allow this. And yet he does. He actually says she's done something beautiful. Well, he goes on to, to say to the religious crowd, hey, there's two individuals, and, and one of them had a huge debt to be paid. And another had a smaller debt to be paid, who do you think will be more grateful when both of those debts are, are forgiven instead of paid? And the religious crowd says, well, probably the one who had the greater debt. And he says, exactly. See, because when I came in, 
you didn't do anything to, it was customary for, for there to be a basin and for somebody to usually wash the guests, the feet of the guests, or they would wash their own, but there would at least be things. He said, you didn't, none of that happened for me. And yet immediately when she came in, she did all that. And he goes on to say this, and I want you to hear this, for, who, for whoever is forgiven much, loves much. I don't say that because, again, in here you've got, like, here's, you know, here's my pile and here's your pile and here's somebody else's pile and there's all this. It's, it's, it's not that. It's to realize that, that, listen, you guys, we all have some, some pretty large piles of sin. All of us do. And all of us have been forgiven so much because of this word grace. This un- you don't have to work your way out of it. But in the progression of that Paul paints in Philippians, or sorry, in Ephesians chapter one, he's saying all these reasons for praise because of all that God has blessed us with through the work of Christ on the cross because of this grace, that it transforms us and helps this world see what it means to, to find a God who loves them like crazy. Father, I pray today that your spirit would do something amazing in all of us to help us understand that, that we can walk in this unearned favor, that we can receive it. There's people in this room that, that maybe uh, they had a, a holiday season that included things that they feel like, oh boy, if my, my pastor knew, boy, other people knew, and there, whatever it was. That maybe there, there's lifestyles in here and, and choices at, at work and things that are being done shady or relationships or whatever it is that, that aren't right, that God, even still today, your grace is extended There's nobody in here that I believe that's too far from your grace. I just pray people would realize it. That your grace is amazing, unfathomable, incredible. And that God, as we receive it, the picture that you paint is so incredible that it ought to inspire us to be transformed, to do the things that you desire to see our heart begin to change, to see transformation from the inside out in our lives. And that God, as we do that, trusting that you care and you love us, it causes us to shine the light of Christ. That God, we can be what you desire us to be for a world that misunderstands religion, that misunderstands Christ, that misunderstands what it means to be forgiven and be saved from our sins. Thank you for all you've done because of your grace. Let it impact us deeply in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook or sign up for our e-newsletter at grove.church.